Hello and welcome along to the Southampton audio programme for today's fixture against Cardiff City. In today's issue, we have a word from your manager, a feature interview with Taylor Howard-Bellis and a look over the Southampton women's team. Dear Saints fans, welcome back to St Mary's as we round off another demanding week in the Skybet Championship with today's game against Cardiff City. It was really pleasing to extend our unbeaten run to 10 matches on Wednesday night as we picked up a win and clean sheets in a tough battle with Bristol City. In the first half, I thought we played okay. Not bad, but not our best. Some of the courage we showed to play out, even in that period when we had some tricky moments, was hugely encouraging. From one move, we played our way up the pitch from our own six-yard box to Bristol City's final third, with a brilliant piece of football. Those of you who are here may have seen the applauding on the top sign. I'll never lose appreciation or gratitude for that because it takes incredible bravery from the players to pull that off. We would like to have created more with the possession we had, but Bristol City are a really good counter-attacking team, and Gavin kept us on level terms, firstly with a brilliant save, and then to race off his live and dive at the feet of the centre-forward. That first save proved to be his only save of the game, and in the second half, I thought we really raised the level. That was as well as we've played all season. We changed shape a little bit, which worked nicely, and the players deserve enormous credit for that, because they are the ones who have to carry out the tactical tweaks on the pitch and do so with real intensity for it to work. We got the goal, and what a goal, quickly after half-time and never looked back. I think the only frustration was that we were not able to score a second to really kill the game off, but we had plenty of good moments and really limited Bristol City to very little, if anything, in front of goal. We had control, we looked threatening in the final third, we had good aggression about us, and the right mentality with people in position and running hard for each other, really putting in the work, which was really nice to see. We are in a really good place, I think, as a club and as a group. We have to keep building on that to keep this run going as long as we possibly can, because momentum is a powerful thing in the Championship. I mentioned Kyle's goal, but his all-round performance was outstanding. He really is a very gifted footballer and a quick learner, really intelligent, who is so adaptable on the pitch. He ended up playing three different roles for us on Wednesday night. His mentality is really growing as an organiser. He's more of a leader in the group now, and it's great to see that growth in him, not only as a player, but as a character. We're loving working with him. Today, we welcome Ricardo's side going well under new manager Errol Bulu. We know they are going to come here and make it hard for us, so it's up to us to earn the right to play our football and show how good we can be. We march on. There was a record attendance of 13,438 as Southampton FC women welcomed Barclays women's Super League giant Arsenal to St Mary's Stadium in the Continental Cup. Performance on the pitch matched that offered, with Saints scoring first and pushing last season's champions all the way to injury time before the Gunners were able to find their winner. The home side, who looked unfazed by the household names lining up opposite them, made a bright start. Paige Peak recorded the first shot of the game, picking up the ball on the edge of the box and slamming an effort across Sabrina D'Angelo, who did well to smother. The action was straight up the other end minutes later, however, as Lena Hurtig drove into the box and unleashed a curling shot just far of the top corner. It took until the 21st minute for Saints to see another glimpse of goal. A miscue at the back saw Rihanna Dean win the ball high up the pitch, farming the ball out to Katie Wilkinson to her right. Wilkinson lashed a vicious bouncing shot goalward, but Jennifer Beattie did well to block. Saints had a corner set-piece delivery as the first half ticked into the final five minutes. Ellen Morris provided some impressive individual skill to force her defender into a sliding tackle. 
Perfield stepped up to take the corner, and Wilkinson saw her shot just fly wide of the target. It had been a balanced game in the first period, with neither team able to find the breakthrough. Merrigan Spacey-Kale made her first change of the game for the start of the second half, with Alexi Lloyd-Smith entering the fray in place of Rihanna Dean. Ten minutes into the second half, the record number of Saints fans present erupted in joy as Molly Pike secured the opening goal. Racing onto a through ball, Pike had much to do, but her high shot across the Angelos was too much for the Arsenal keeper to deal with, nestling into the back of the net and giving Saints the lead. It didn't take the current Conti Cup holders long to level, however, as Maynham shot high into the net over Kayla Rendell in the 59th minute, much to the delight of the strong travelling away support. Southampton had the chance to go ahead once more shortly after. Pike nearly turned provider as she turned on the afterburners to race into the box before squaring to Lloyd Smith, but Saints' number seven could only turn her shot high over the bar. Spacey Gale made two more changes at the 70-minute mark, with Chloe Peplow and Atlanta Primus taking the place of Alice Griffiths and Katie Wilkinson. Arsenal made their intentions clear with stalwarts Katie McCabe and Vivian Madiba, who also entered the fray as the visitors pushed for the winner. However, it was a less well-known Arsenal name that snatched the winner, substitutes Armanda Ilstead scoring in the second minute of added time to the delight of the troubling fans. Despite the defeat, it was a performance for the record-breaking crowd to be proud of, with Mary and Spacey Kale full of praise for the battling performance put on by her team. It's easy to forget Taylor Harwood Bellis is still only 21 years of age. Whether it's his measured mindset, impressive CV or just the calmness from which he passes the ball into midfield, the defender radiates maturity beyond his years and brings valuable championship experience to a Southampton squad ready to take on a potentially defining December. OK was how Russell Martin described Southampton's first top performance on Wednesday night. Not good, not great. OK, not a bad performance, but not really a good one the manager summarised in his post-match interview for the club's media channels. In truth, it wasn't an opening period that will live long in the memory on a night lit up by a sensational long-range goal by Carl Walker-Peters, which arrived early in an improved second-half showing that saw Saints take three points over Bristol City at St Mary's. There was, however, one passenger play that stood out from that forgettable first 45. 18 minutes in, Saints had a goal kick. Gavin Bazunu played at Shorty and Benderag on the edge of the six-yard box, despite the presence of City striker Tommy Conway in close proximity. Benderag passed the ball to Flynn Downs, who was stood near the penalty spot with his man on his back. He in turn found Taylor Harwood-Bellis, who had dropped into an unusual position to the right of the Saints' six-yard box to receive the next pass. Saints had still not left their own penalty area, but Harwood-Bellis injected some extra speed into the sequence with a first-time ball to Carl Walker-Peters on the touchline and then did the same thing to Downs before Shea Charles turned away from his own marker as Saints sprung forward, crossing the halfway line at pace as the ball was returned to Walker-Peters and leaving City's yellow shirt sprinting back, suddenly feeling exposed. In Bazunu, Harwood-Bellis and Charles, this was a strong Manchester City connection, making Saints tick. But this is the Southampton way now, as Martin watched on, clapping vehemently above his head, admiring the courage of his defenders to beat the press. This City influence, and that of Pep Guardiola, is trickling down through the English game. The Championship looks different now to Saints' last assault in 2011-12, and that's not just the team in red and white stripes. Howard Bellis may be young in years, but he's wise to all this. He's been taught to play this way since he joined the City Academy as a six-year-old, now 21, he's already in his fourth season in the Championship, 
following previous loan spells with Blackburn, Stoke and Burnley, with whom he won the title last season under another City man in Vincent Company, his idol. I don't think it's enough to not play football. I think you have to, he shrugs. This is the new normal, particularly to a player born in 2002. You look at the calibre of teams that have gone up, how they've gone up and the football they've played. I think if you were to fast forward 10 years, more of the teams that get promoted will generally be the ones that are playing football and have their own identity. Obviously, the way the City play dominated. I think a lot of managers have looked at it and not copied, but put it in their own way. You sense Harwood Bellis would rather not get drawn into comparisons with his parent club, his former club and his current one. The amount of times I got asked last year about company and Pep, they're completely different, he insists. It does company no justice if I say it's exactly the same as Pep, because it's not. He's got his own way, they see football differently. Obviously people ask, what was it like last year compared to this year, but that will do no justice to the gaffer once here, because it's completely different. Ultimately, it looks the same because you're keeping the ball on the floor. I think you only really know when you're in it because of how they look at it. But just because you keep the ball on the floor, it doesn't mean everyone's copied Pep. He's keen to hammer home that Martin's vision is very much the manager's own and is full of admiration for the conviction and consistency of his messaging. What I love about the gaffer here is we could lose 10 in a row and he'll never change because that's the way he believes football should be played and the lads do as well, he adds. In those four games that we lost on the spin, there was no one saying, I think we need to change what we're doing. It was, we need to do what we're doing more, because we weren't doing it properly. There's no disasters, no crises in our head. We just look forward to the next game. I think the past nine games have shown, barring the second half against Rotherham and Huddersfield, that the way we want to play works, and we will dominate. There will be times when we're under the cosh, and teams are pressing us, and I think in the stadium as well. Fans might want us to get it forward quicker, but it's not going to happen because that's just not how we set up. It's good to have the backing from the manager, even mistakes, because he's not bothered, because that's how he's asked us to play. It's impossible to play how we're going to play and not make mistakes. It's just about minimising them, which I think we've done really well. It's clear Howard Bellis is a thinker about the game. He might fit the mould of old-school tough English centre-half with the skinhead haircut, but he's a better player than that, and a brighter character too. His potential as a leader was spotted by England under-21 head coach Lee Carsley, who handed the defender the captaincy in March last year, a role he continues to fill following the summer's triumphant European Championship campaign in which the young Lions didn't concede a single goal. Howard Bellis wouldn't say a big voice when describing himself in the dressing room, but when I need to speak or think I've got an opinion, then yes. I think it tested my leadership skills being the captain of the under-21s because I was one of the youngest. I'd obviously played in the championship, but there was a lot of top Premier League players in that team, he explains. The dynamic of me being the leader would probably be the difference this year to me being captain of the under-21s because I'm one of the oldest. But I had to manage that and I thought I did it well. That's something I can use going into my career and life. I just tried to be myself. I'm not trying to be a certain way as a captain. I'm just trying to be myself, trying to crack on and hopefully set the standard for the lads. An insight into his mental approach comes when discussing Saints' 1-1 draw with Rotherham at Huddersfield, games he'd already referenced himself, in which the team dominated without putting the opponents to bed. I think it's just getting to yourself into a mindset of this second half is going to be the hardest game of my life instead of me thinking I just need to go out and do the same thing again. You don't because they're going to be better. 
I think that's the most important thing going forward. The high esteem he's being held in by England was evident on the recent international break when photos were released of Harwood Bellis training with the senior team, something the player reveals wasn't a first. I've trained with them before when it's not been made public, he says. I missed the second one with a hamstring, but the first camp of this season I trained with them and I trained with them last season as well. It wasn't made public those times, which I'd probably prefer, but it was a really good experience to train with the senior team. Going forward in my career, it's obviously making sure I'm with them permanently. Stockport-born Harwood Bellis already has a rapport with Gareth Southgate. He's really nice, you can have a really good conversation with him, and he's obviously a really good coach as well. As for the players, he's reluctant to pick a standout trainer, but facing up to Harry Kane, the country's all-time leading goalscorer, has clearly left its mark. He's good, he reaffirms, typically understated, but the whining eyes tell you he means really good. I don't think I need to say too much, do I? He laughs. To come up against him and test yourself in training, it might not be as intense, but he's still unbelievable. You still have to be at the top of your game to not even look silly up there. It's really good to test yourself, but all of them are a joke. The standard of training is unbelievable. There's not a player that stands out to you. You think he's not up to it. They're all different class. It's a completely different level. It's clear Howard Bellis has designs on reaching the very top. Why shouldn't he? He's been winning trophies all his life from the FA Youth Cup and under-21 Premier League to a unique double championship title and European glory on the international stage. If he's to win again in 2024, with Saints, the upcoming festive fixture will go a long way to deciding it, he believes. I look at it as season-defining. In a way, obviously it doesn't definitely define your season, but it can set the tone, he states. You can look at it in January when... Hopefully, we've gone through a Christmas period where we've kept the run going. I could probably put a good bet on that to do well in December. You're probably up there. We had a sticky patch, but with us, there was no panicking. There was no spike in our anxiety or fear or anything like that. We just kept the same level as we are now. We're unbeaten in nine games, and we're still exactly the same as we were when we lost four in a row. I think that's a key ingredient to being up there and making sure you stay up there as well. Not being too low, nothing to crisis because... We know the level of the group, we know the manager and the staff will drive us, so I think it's been a really good start. But this period is massive for us going into January. This time last year, Howard Bellis' table-topping Burnley had just scored a stoppage time winner to scrape past Reading, who were relegated at the end of the season, taking a tally to 34 points from 18 games. Wednesday's win took Saints, who sit fourth, to 33 from 18. The Clarets went on to amass 101 points. Saints, despite relentless pace being set by Leicester and Ipswich, remain on track to meet their target. It was their form through the winter that let the rest trailing behind in Burnley's wake. Ten straight wins, seven clean sheets and 24 goals. Now living through the Championship's infamous nine-month slog as a champion, Howard Bellis feels in tune with what's required to do it all over again. I think it helps a lot. Obviously, I've lived in and now I know what it takes, he reasons. I think there are a lot of lads in the dressing room who know what it takes. Lads who haven't experienced it, but have the characteristics in them and know what it takes to get promoted out of the league. I think we've got a good balance in the group. I'm just trying to do my best to help the people around me as they are helping me. It helps me psychologically, knowing I've done it before, and it gives me the leather edge. Can I do it again? I think I can. So hopefully I can prove to myself that I can. And now finally, time for your local lowdown. 
We asked opposition expert Glenn Williams, Cardiff City's correspondent for Wales Online, to preview today's game from the visitors' point of view. The last couple of seasons have seen Cardiff struggle towards the foot of the Championship. Why the decline after relegation from the Premier League in 2019? The Covid pandemic hit Cardiff's owner, Vincent Tan, and his leisure business particularly hard. They'd spent an enormous amount of money under Neil Warnock to get that Premier League success, but the belt tightened in a big way during lockdown. There was a rapid defunding of the squad and the requisite quality was just not there. It has been a struggle, all things considered. Errol Bulo has made an impressive start to his reign as manager. What's changed under his stewardship? It was refreshing to see Cardiff look further afield for his appointment. In doing so, they also looked abroad for some of their signings too, all of whom have represented really good value for money. I think it's a better squad than they've had in previous years. Bulo oversaw a really positive summer window and is no substitute for a good squad. He appears demanding and doesn't dish out praise too easily. That much I can say for certain. Is it realistic to think Cardiff can push for promotion this season? I would say it's an unrealistic aim, but funnier things have happened. The calibre of squads in the Championship this season is off the scale and while Cardiff did have a productive summer, they'll have to go great guns in January if they are to maintain what has been a really positive start. Some fans are hopeful of a top six finish, mind. Aaron Ramsey initially made a big impact on his return to his boyhood club, but has not featured since September due to injury. What's the latest on his recovery? Now that was some day when he returned. He added to that feeling good factor when he arrived. Arrivent just seemed to be heading in a positive direction. He's been a big loss because he was sensational in his opening six matches. He was looking at an early December return, but suffered a slight setback and it's looking more likely to be in the new year, which is frustrating. Which players have starred in Ramsey's absence? It's funny, actually. I wouldn't say there have been any standout players per se, but a real collective effort. The defence in particular have been magnificent. From Parry and G to new signing Dimitris Gutas, that back four can be thanked for the positive start to the campaign. Josh Bowler has looked really sharp too. He's potentially one to look out for further up the pitch. And finally, how do you see today's game going and how will Cardiff approach it? I think it's a really tough game for Cardiff. I won't be surprised if they set up a little bit more defensively and pack them in field more than in previous weeks. I think most teams in this division would snap your hand off for a point at St Mary's.